You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Last week, we had a wonderful time in the presence of God, acknowledging all cultures, but celebrating a Christ culture. Amen? One person came to me, and the comment that he made was very profound. He said he was a first-time visitor, And he said, this place is like heaven on earth, where in the presence of God, all cultures are united and we experience the love and the unity of God. Amen. Amen. So we thank God. I want to continue this morning. As we've moved into the new building, many people were asking, what is our opinion and our view when it comes to finances? So uh, my view on finances or my view about the gospel when it comes to finances is that the gospel is about salvation and not about money. And the previous two weeks before that, I started ministering on that number one, it's about your heart. It's all about your heart. Christianity is in the purity of our hearts. And number two, it's about putting God first. So this morning I want to continue and this will be the last session that I'll do on finances and next week I'll continue. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to prepare your heart. Tell them again, say, you have to prepare your heart. Family, listen to me. Many times we say, I know my heart. If you just leave your heart, your heart will go into any direction. Your heart can deceive you very quickly. Amen? It's where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So it's that which you value. So you can train your heart to go in a direction. Amen? You train your heart to forgive. You train your heart not to bear grudges. Turn to the person next to you and say, train your heart. So the Bible teaches us that we have to prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts. Many of the kings did not do what they were supposed to do. 2 Chronicles 12 verse 14. And he did evil because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. So you have to prepare your heart and say to yourself, I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Prepare your heart. Amen? Pastor, you don't know how angry I am. My heart right now is ready for war. How do I know that? Because the Bible teaches us that offense will come to everybody. I know right now out there in the world there are many cares. Raise your hand if you are worried about the future. The Bible says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, chokes the word of God out of our heart. So if you focus on those things more than on the Word of God, it can affect your heart. It affects your living. It affects what you believe. The Bible says that the Spirit of God moves around the earth looking for those with a loyal heart towards Him. Turn to the person next to you and say, your heart must be loyal towards the Lord. Even in our hearts, You know, if you read the Bible concerning the kings, there were certain high places. What does that mean? I mean, all of us in our hearts have high places. There's areas in our heart that we surrender to God 
but there's certain high places that we sometimes don't surrender to the Lord. Do you know what I'm talking about? Areas that you don't surrender. Finances oftentimes are one of those things that people don't want to surrender to God. Let me tell you something. When it comes to finances, you're going to believe yourself more than anybody else. That's why you have to decide in your heart what you want to believe. Will you align what you believe with the Word of God, or are you just going to believe what you want to believe? It's very important to make a decision to view everything that you believe in the light of God's Word. Otherwise, it's very easy to deceive you, to influence you, or to manipulate you. Very quiet here. Who of you have ever been manipulated when it comes to money? Who of you have been manipulated by family members when it comes to money? Who's been manipulated in the church? Who's been manipulated by friends? Who's been manipulated in business? So it's very relevant to talk about it. Amen. So God is not after your money. God is after your heart. From the beginning, God predestined man to live and walk and plan with him. A matter of fact, in the beginning, man was clothed with glory, God's presence. And everything man touched was touched with glory. Amen? So I want to touch this morning and teach you from scriptures. I'm going to quote few, quite a few scriptures concerning the tithe from Malachi chapter 3. Who of you have heard the teaching that you are cursed with a curse if you don't give your tithe? Who of you believed that and lived in fear? Wonderful. So I'm talking to the right people here this morning. So to be cursed, what does it mean to be cursed? That's the first thing that we have to understand. You are blessed when you have God's presence in your life. When God touches every area of your life, you are blessed. Amen? Truly to be cursed is when God withdraws his presence from you. And if you read the Bible in the Old Testament, so when we look at Malachi 3, it's in the Old Testament. So whenever you look at something in the Old Testament, you have to view it through the cross. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, I've got good news for you. Whenever you look at the Old Testament, look at it through the cross. Amen? The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament is exactly the same. Amen? It's the same yesterday, today, and forever, but there's something that happened on the cross. So Romans 3 teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When you go read the book of Samuel, you'll see that one of Eli's sons, Phineas' wife, had a child, and on that very day, the ark was taken from the promised land. Israel in the Old Testament is a type of the church. So what happened is that the ark of the covenant, the presence of God, was removed from the church. And what happened, when that child was born, they gave the child the name Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. When God's glory has departed from you, you're in trouble. Then you're not blessed anymore. Amen? 
David in the Old Covenant, remember when David sinned in the Old Covenant in Isaiah 51, what did he say? He said, Lord, do not let your spirit depart from me. He says, let your Holy Spirit stay with me. Why? Because he knew he wasn't a giant slayer. He knew he had a friend in the Holy Spirit that helped him to dispose of giants. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a friend in the Holy Spirit. If you go read the book of Judges, Samson, when he did not obey the word of God and his hair was cut, the Bible says the spirit of God had departed from him and he didn't even know it. Many times in church, we are busy with church activities. We are singing, we are dancing, we are clapping our hands. And the Spirit of God has departed, and we don't even know it. Turn to the person next to you and say, be aware of God's presence. So we are truly blessed when God's presence is upon us. Amen? When the Holy Spirit is with us, we are blessed. Amen? So can we go to Malachi 3? Turn to the person next to you say, the blessing is greater than the curse. Tell that person, light expels darkness. Tell them you're about to be liberated. If you live with an attitude in your heart that you are cursed, it means God's presence is not there. That's a fearful thing. But when you know that the Spirit of the Lord is with you, you can do what you have to do. And God will always empower you to do what he's called you to do. Jesus himself said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel. Jesus said to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. So to live a successful life as a Christian, you need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Malachi 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Why is he saying that? He says, because I'm a merciful God. I don't change. You change your mind, but I don't change my mind. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers... You have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. That's the way that Jesus works. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. To serve Jesus is not difficult. He said to Joshua in Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, If you obey, if you observe, to do, I will bless you. He's saying, don't just listen, but do. The biggest mistake or the biggest problem in the church today is that we have been educated beyond our obedience. We know everything what the Bible says, but we don't do everything that the Bible tells us to do. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way? 
have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. Will a man rob God? You are cursed with a curse. To be cursed is God's presence being removed from you. Galatians 3 verse 13. I want you to turn to Galatians 3 verse 13, and I want you to underline this in your Bible. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What is the promise made to Abraham? The Holy Spirit. God with you, God upon you. When you have the Holy Spirit with you, you are blessed. Turn to the person next to you and say, if you have God with you, you are blessed. Tell them again, say, if you have God with you, you are blessed. Tithing is a principle and not a law. Abraham was the first person who gave a tithe, a tenth, to Melchizedek. Salvation was explained to him, bread was broken, the wine was shed, and he understood atonement and salvation through Jesus Christ, and he gave a tenth. What does that mean? It means that giving unto the Lord was there before the law. Later on with Moses, it became a law. When the law came, sin revived, and I died. Turn to the person next to you and say, don't give because it's a law. Tell them, give out of relationship. Tell them again, say, give because of relationship. When you are born again, it's a natural thing to be a giver because Jesus Christ is the biggest giver that's ever lived. God is putting our obedience and our faith to the test. Your faith in believing the Word of God, your obedience is the only proof of your faith. Your obedience to the Word of God is the only proof of the faith that you have in God. He says, put me to the test. If you put me first, you'll have to go listen to the other sermons as well. It's all about your heart and putting God first. God says, if you put me first, I do not change, I'll put you first. And I'll place a blessing upon you, my presence upon you, and what you do, that there will be protection on all your belongings. He says, put me to the test. Turn to the person next to you and say, you can put God to the test. One translation says that Christ has absorbed the curse. He has absorbed the curse. He's removed the curse. Ephesians teaches us that you have been blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. 
Sometimes it's just our capacity to believe. So when you look at this, the principle is still there. If you don't give your tithe, Christ has absorbed the curse. You missed a good place to say amen. Okay, tell the person next to you, say, Christ has absorbed the curse. Tell them, tell them the curse has been removed. But tithing is a principle. In the New Testament, our obedience attracts the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who of you would like to have God's presence upon your finances? Then you have to be obedient to God's word. Acts 5 verse 32 says, The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. The Holy Spirit is given to him or to those who obey him. So if you want more of God's presence in your life, just become more obedient to God's word. Husbands, if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your marriage, become more obedient to God's word. See, not one amen. <laughs> I'm married to the devil. Don't want to. <laughs> Listen to me. Whatever situation you are facing, you can change. Because this is how God operates. Genesis 8 verse 22 says, from the beginning, seed time and harvest. So if you want something to change in your life, start to plant those kind of seeds to see the harvest that you want. If you want more friendly people around you, you yourself become more friendly. Am I talking to the right people here this morning? Turn to the person next to you and say, you can change your situation. By starting to plant different kinds of seeds. Family, under the old covenant, under the old covenant, when you were not obedient and you sinned, God just removed his presence. He removed his presence. That's why David said, do not let your spirit depart from me. And you were cursed. Ichabod, the glory of God would depart. Under the new covenant, he says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you. Amen? But wherever you go, you need God to help you. So God is helping you to become more successful. That's why he said to Joshua, if you observe to do, Joshua 1 verse 8, he says, meditate in the word of God. Get to know the secrets of God. Start to do it when you observe to do. He says, I'm going to make your ways successful. I'm going to bless you. I'll be the one helping you. You'll find that God will go before you. What did Moses say? Moses said to the Lord, I'm not going into the promised land if your spirit, your presence does not go before me. Even God the Father, if you go read Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, God the Father did not start to create or to speak anything into existence until the Holy Spirit was on the scene. Verse 2 says, and the Spirit of God was hovering 
The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Verse 3, then God spoke. Can you see the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives? The promise that was made to Abraham was the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that helps us. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints us. Next week, I'm going to start ministering on being anointed for business or being anointed in the marketplace to know how the Holy Spirit will help you. Amen? Who of you need the Holy Spirit in your workplace? Let me see your hand. Yes, don't miss next week. Amen? Turn to the person next to you say, your obedience is the only proof of your faith. Tell them again, say your obedience is the only proof of your faith. So what is God doing here? When God created everything, he said it was good. But the seventh day when he created it, the seventh day, he said, it's holy. You are his people. He made you to be holy. He says the tithe is holy. So when we give that first portion that is holy, it means it's sanctified separated unto the Lord. That giving unto the Lord sanctifies the rest is what the book of Romans teaches us. Amen? So the tithe is holy. Leviticus 27 verse 30. And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. So it's about the first part, giving it to the Lord. I shared with you previously, Jericho was the first city in the promised land. The Lord said, that first city belongs to me. Then all the rest of the cities will be yours. Amen? So it's about putting God first in everything that we do. Romans 11 verse 16 says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. So if the first portion is holy and it's blessed, then the rest will be blessed. Are you putting God first? That's what it's all about. Turn to the person next to you and say, put God first. Tell them again, say, put God first. When it comes to giving, he says, bring all the tithes into the storeroom so that there may be food in my house. What does it mean? It means you place your tithe and bring your tithe to the storehouse, the church where God has planted you. You missed a good place to say amen. I hope you're tithing here if you remember, amen? Remember, if the KFC around the corner is going through a tough time and you eat at McDonald's, where do you pay? At McDonald's or you pay at KFC? Oh, you don't pay. <laughs> Family, some of these things are common sense. Okay, let me help you. The Bible says when you bring your gift, is it the gift that sanctifies the altar or is it the altar that sanctifies the gift? 
It's the altar that sanctifies the gift. So be careful where you place your gift. Because if you place your gift at a place where it's not sanctified, it means the rest is also not sanctified. Turn to the person next to you and say, be careful where you plant your seed. Because when you bring it, you bring it as unto the Lord. Amen? The gift that you bring, you place it on the altar. The altar of God sanctifies the gift. Not the gift. The altar. It's important to understand that because remember, giving is a principle. So if you are giving and you are helping people and you are planting good seeds, there will be a harvest because it's a principle. But what you want is you want God's favor to rest upon your giving so that that which God will do in and through your giving will have a greater blessing upon it. I see I'm going to have to teach a whole lot more on this. Remember, Abraham was the first who he gave tithes. So he taught his sons to give tithes and offerings. So Isaac, the Bible teaches us, I think it's here by Genesis 26. It says there was a famine in the land after the first famine. Turn to the person next to you and say, double famine. So it was dry and then it got drier. There was a recession and then another recession hit the land. Double trouble. And the Bible says, and Isaac sowed in that year and reaped a hundredfold because God was with him and he started to prosper and he became very prosperous. Why is that important? Because when you sow in drought, common sense tells you don't sow. Don't plant. But when you are working with God's kingdom and God's way of doing things, and you know God's faith of God's presence rests upon what you are doing, even in a drought, you can have a hundredfold return. You've all seen the movie Faith Like Potatoes. That's it. That's it. So the kingdom of God is in another realm. David faced Goliath. That giant shouted at him and said, I'm going to kill you. That giant was bigger than him, taller than him, stronger than him. He said, I'm going to kill you today and I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. But Goliath was shouting that from the realm of defeat and failure. David came as a young boy with three stones, five stones, and he said, no, you've not come against me, you've come against my God. And he made the same declaration from the realm of victory in Christ Jesus, and God gave him the victory. You have to enter and operate according to the kingdom of God. When you obey the word of God, you'll see God's blessing and favor rests upon what you do. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 5, as soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel, a type of the church, brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine and oil and honey and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Deuteronomy 14 verse 22 says, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field 
produces year by year. And you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, of the firstborn of your herds and of your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. It's a very simple test. Who will you honor? When you read the word of God, do you believe it? Are you ready to observe, to do? That's the test for all Christians. When you are born again, God so loved the world that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave. When you are born again, it's a natural thing to be a giver. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, your giving changes lives. Tell them again, say, your giving changes lives. Family, the Bible teaches us that riches and honor, all these things comes from the hand of God. So all that we are basically giving, we are giving back to God what God has given to us. That's all that we are doing. We are giving back to God what God has given us. And he says, a tithe, a 10% is the test that God will do. And he says, on that 10%, when you give it, my favor will rest upon it. You can put me to the test. When you give it as unto the Lord, he says, I will rebuke the devourer. What is it now? God's presence has become your shield, your protection, your exceedingly great reward. Now you'll find that portion that you have given, suddenly there's favor and grace and blessing on the rest. Turn to the person next to you say the most important thing. So you must be a happy giver. Amen. Tell them again. Say you must be a happy giver. So what is applicable to us today? Applicable to us today is to give our tithes. Now maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, oh my word, you haven't seen my budget. Remember, I've told you God's not going to curse you. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, with your budget. God's not going to curse you. He's removed the curse. He's going to give you wisdom. He's going to give you knowledge. He's going to give you understanding. To get to that place where you can honor him. Amen? And we'll pray with you to help you to get to that place. Sometimes there's things in our lives that are not right. Amen? Everybody here, you've got certain things that you're working out of your life which is not of God. Things that last year was okay and this year the Lord said to you, I want you to get this out of your life. Amen? Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people. So number one, tithes. It belongs to God. We have to give our tithes as the church. Amen. Number two, offerings. You can bring offerings. Amen. You can bring offerings. Sometimes there's sacrificial giving where you sow with tears and you reap with joy. Remember the, the widow, when the man of God came to the widow, he said, Give your last. Give your last. You think that would be unfair. 
But in that was the breakthrough. So sometimes you sow in tears, but then you reap with joy. Amen. And those are things that you decide in your heart, what and how you want to give that. Amen. God is the one that wants to bless you. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to bless you. Tell them again, say, God wants to bless you. Malachi 4, Malachi 3 verse 18 in the same chapter. If you go read it, God says there, when you start honoring me in this way, people once again will see the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. Those that are serving me and those that don't serve me. He says, when you start applying this, people will see the favor of God resting upon you. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, there's hope for you. Tell them again, say, there's hope for you. Money shouldn't make your heart heavy because if God the Father did not withhold Jesus Christ from you, why will he withhold any good thing from you? He wants to help you and he's got his way of doing things. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, what you sow is what you will reap. Tell them that's good news. Now you can change your environment. You can change your marriage. You can change anything by just starting to plant the kind of seeds that you want. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to plant good seeds. Tell them again, say, I'm going to plant good seeds. When you give for God's sake, you can expect a harvest. You can expect a harvest. If you are the best farmer and you have the best seed and you plant it in the best field, do you expect the worst harvest? No. So when you start changing your life by planting good seeds, planting seeds of righteousness, you can expect a good harvest. Let me close with Luke 6 verse 38. I'm going to go to the Passion Translation. It says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. That's how simple. God wants to help you, and he says this is the principle. When you give, and you give as unto the Lord, God's favor and blessing will rest. His presence will rest upon what you've given. The New King James says, when you give, it will be given back unto you. Pressed down, shaken together. That's what's coming your way. Amen? Who of you need a harvest in your life? Who of you need more friends in your life? Who of you need more smiles in your life? Turn to the person next to you and say, start planting some smiles. 
Tell them again, say, start planting some smiles. I think in our country right now, when everybody is so tense and under pressure, we should not be planting frowns. Amen? When you drive to work and you see people are tense around you, be the one to smile. Plant friendliness. Sometimes you find yourself in church where you say, I don't have any money to give. Give some of your time. Amen? The skills, the gifts that you have, use that and give some of that. When God sees through what you are doing that you are putting him first, this is not just about money. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about money. The power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is not money, it's salvation. Amen? And God wants to help you. So the question, if you need prayer, do you first have to pay? Now it's quiet, wow. If you need a prophecy, do you have to pay? No. Why? Because that gifts are received freely by a man of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, the gifts of heaven were paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. Tell them again, say, the gifts of God, the price for the gifts of healing, of deliverance, of salvation was paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Because those gifts the Bible teaches us are freely given to men of God. And when you've received it freely, the principle is you give it freely. Turn to the person next to you and say, what you receive freely, you give freely. Let's say somebody comes here now and they say, here is a Bible, a gold plated Bible. The value of this Bible is a hundred thousand rand. Says, Pastor, I'd like you to have this Bible. I give it to you and I want you to bless somebody with this Bible. But it's a hundred thousand rand Bible. I want you to know it's a hundred thousand rand Bible. I give it to you freely that you can bless somebody with it. If I now come and I say, wow, I have this wonderful Bible. I say, sir, I have a gold-plated Bible here. It's very unique. Would you like a Bible like this? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You give me 10,000 rand. I'm telling you it's a bargain. 10,000 rand, you can have the Bible. If Ntati Mufakeng is the one who gave me this Bible, this 100,000 rand Bible, and now he finds out that the person I was supposed to bless, I asked him 
10,000 rand for this Bible. What do you think he's going to do? Is he going to be happy? Is he going to entrust me with anything else? This is what the Bible says. Choose who you will serve, money or God. Because if you're not faithful with money, true riches, spiritual riches cannot be entrusted to you. Do you think this spiritual gift that I'm being entrusted with now, God can trust me with it? No. The gifts of God is much more precious. You cannot place a value on it. What is the value that you place on one soul? Unless I've come and he says to me, I've got the gift here. I'm selling this gift to you for 100,000. And you can use it one million times. Now I can come because I've paid for it. I have to sell it because I need a return. It's very quiet now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Naaman is sick. His colleagues and friends tell him there's a prophet, you can go to the prophet. He will pray for you, you'll get healed. He arrives, the prophet doesn't even see him. The prophet says, okay, tell him, go to the Jordan, dunk yourself, you'll be healed. He says, what, doesn't this man of God know who I am? Shouldn't the man of God at least come out and raise his hand and wave it over me and say, be healed, O man. Be made whole, O great warrior. He gets upset. His colleagues say to him, his friends say, please, this is a man of God. Just do what he said. Just go. He gets healed. Comes back to the prophet. Says, I'm so grateful that I'm healed. I want to give you something. The man of God says, no. Go read it. The Bible says, Naaman persisted. In other words, he did not back off. He says, I'm going to give you something. I want to give you something. He said, no. I'm not receiving anything. Why? Because he received it freely. He gave it freely. It's not that Naaman should not give. It's not his time for giving. It was his time for receiving. It's his time for receiving. Gehazi is supposed to be the next great prophet. He hears this conversation. He says, this man of God doesn't know how things work. He goes after Naaman. He says, sorry. The man of God changed his mind. What you want to give, give. I'll take it to him. Sees a gap, he sees an opportunity, he takes it. Now he comes back, he thinks nobody has seen. The man of God says, do you think my spirit didn't go with you? I know what you've done. Go read it. He says, is it our time to receive these things? It's not our time. Gehazi becomes a leper. 
He's supposed to become the next great prophet to do double the amount of miracles. But because of money, he misses what God has got for him. Money is not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil. The prophet was saying to him, Naaman's time to give will come. It's not now. Because when you're in that moment and you're emotional, I can take advantage of you and I can manipulate you. Cannot do it. Cannot do it. Freely we've received, freely we give. Don't step into the trap of money. Money is a great servant, but a very bad master. If money is your master, if money is your servant, you'll be able to help. Tithes and offerings is just a simple test. It's just a test. God is helping you and setting you up to get his presence upon everything that you do, even your finances. You missed a good place to say amen. Turn to the person that you say, God wants to help you to be blessed. So family, listen to me. Galatians 6 verse 7, the J.B. Phillips translation says, a man's entire life is based upon the seed that he has sown. That means your life where you find yourself right now, you can still change it by starting to plant different kinds of seeds. It means my marriage can even become better, me just planting better kind of seeds. More love, more kindness, more gentleness, being more helpful. When you make things happen for other people, God will make those things happen for you. The Bible says God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will reap. We always read Galatians 6 verse 7. Take your time and go home. Then you'll see again, verse 6 says, the person that teaches you the blessings that comes your way, you should come and share that Yeah, That's Malachi. Bring it to the storehouse that there might be food in my house. Your giving changes lives. Now when you are born again, you'll find many people that are born again that have the spirit of Christ. They'll say 10% is fine. I can give 10%. But you'll hear many testimonies of people that say, Lord, use me as a financial channel. They'll even be giving more than that. Amen? Amen? Because now you led by the Holy Spirit. You know everything belongs to God. And the Lord will lead you to sh and show you what to do, how to do it, so that your life can change. I think I'm going to have to teach a little bit more about this paying for prayers, paying for prophecies. If you're paying me, now I'm under pressure. I have to make something up. Because there's now a transaction. You performing by paying, and I must perform by giving you a word of God. Now I can start, hey, you're looking for a wife. Okay, wife. Oof. Okay, you, I see you, you need to come here. 
And many marriages have been destroyed through prophetic words. People are married to the wrong person because of a prophetic word, because you're paying. Now I have to perform. But if God is giving it freely to me, I can just give it freely to you. Amen? If somebody wants to prophesy over you, you say, fine, you can give me a prophetic word. Do you mind coming to my pastor that my pastor can test the word? Then we'll see who's the prophet. Yes. I many times even have prophets say, I want to come into the church and come and prophesy and say a word and share. I say, 100% you can come. I say, I just want to explain to you how I work. Anybody that wants to stand in that pulpit and minister, he can minister to the people, but are you prepared that I minister to you? If the answer is no, then it's no. You will not see the person in the pulpit. Even when he, if he prophesies, smoke comes out of his ears, you'll never see him. <laughs> if I'm not prepared that that person can speak into my life, I will not allow him to speak into your life. Because I understand the principle, what you sow is what you will reap. So start embracing that. God is not after your money. He's after your heart. He wants you to put him first. When you put him first, you'll see what God will do. Cain and Abel. Cain's offering was not accepted because he didn't put God first. In the process of time, he gave some. It's not that he wasn't a giver. He gave some. He brought it when it was convenient for him. But Abel gave of his first fruits. He said, Lord, here, I'm giving you the first. I'm putting you first. God said, because you put me first, I will put you first. Amen. Deuteronomy 8 from verse 17. The challenge now comes when God has blessed you. And you are successful and it's going great. Then you th see, see how hard I'm working. Deuteronomy 8 verse 17 says, Then you say in your heart, My power and my might of my hands have gained me this wealth. He says, When God has blessed you with all these things, don't say, You've done it. Say, God, I know you've done it. It's your grace, your mercy in my life. Because you've given me the wisdom to plant the right seeds, to do the right thing. Then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Malachi 3 verse 18 says, In those days people again will see the righteous and the unrighteous, those that serve God by trusting Him and those that don't. The difference between the wicked and the righteous because they'll see God's favor upon what you are doing. There's a covenant that God has made with us. He places the ability, the anointing on the inside of you to be successful. Next week, I'm going to share with you how to tap into that for God to help you. I'll share some simple things how God has helped me. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, the Holy Spirit wants to help you to be successful. 
God has given his word. This word, when you read it, it's got sanctification power, healing power. It's got the ability to bless you. When you become obedient to it, that's what it's all about. The promise made to Abraham was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to help you. He's your helper. Help you in business. Help you in marriage. Help you with your children. That's a good place to say amen. Say, I need help with my children. Let me hear you say, say, I need help with my children. I need the Holy Spirit to help me with my children. Family, you become more obedient to the Word of God. And you'll see the Holy Spirit will be there helping you. Amen? Don't tell your children one thing and you do another thing. Observe to do. What you tell them, you do. You missed a good place to say amen. I'm going to have to talk to parents. Amen. The same Bernard my children see here behind the pulpit must be the same Bernard they see at home, what they see in the office, what they see on holiday. The same person, obedient to the Word of God. Amen? Not living different lives. When you become obedient to the Word of God in every area of your life, you'll see the working of the Holy Spirit in every area of your life. God wants to get his presence, his blessing upon you. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means God had planned glory for you from the beginning. All that God wants to do is he wants to help you to get that glory back onto your finances as well. He says, all I'm asking, be obedient with the 10% and the rest will be blessed. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.